All right, welcome to the next installment of The Devil You Know. My name is Luke Holden, and um, my next guests um, I'm thrilled to um, be speaking with. I've seen multiple shows of theirs and, and have been a big fan for a while. I think that they are probably, you know, the strongest presence of rock and roll in this city right now. Um, and most anywhere uh, throughout a lot of other music scenes because rock and roll has kind of taken on not a backseat per se, but um, it's it certainly has a, a new time and place in the world. Um, that's my observation. But at any rate, um, true villains, guys, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. For yeah. sure, man. Uh-huh. Anytime. This is great. We have Bo and Barry. Yep. Yeah. Welcome. So this is the first time I've ever had in-depth conversation with either of you, really. I've always, you know, seen you around and um, really enjoyed your shows. But um, having you here on the podcast today is going to be really fucking exciting. So uh, how you guys been? It's been good. Yeah, we're just, we're just, uh, we're trying to like keep things rolling. We slowly have gigs coming back, it seems like. Mm-hmm. No music. Yeah. So yeah. that's already a huge thing since yes. we didn't put out anything in so long. Well, I mean, you just did. Yeah, right? Yeah, we, uh-huh. we just dropped two singles, so... Blood in the Water's one. It's already a yep. good year for us. Yeah. Yeah, the villain the villain was first, then Blood in the Water, and then there's there's some more in the tank uh, come the new year. Awesome. So well, we're, we're super pumped. very much looking forward to hearing that. Um, talk to me about those songs. Uh, I had never heard either of them live. I know, you know, Electric Blue and these ones that you've done many times, but um, did you write these this year or uh, are these older songs that you're finally producing? Yeah, I, th- I think I think they're, well, speaking of the ones that are out right now, The Villain and Blood in the Water, I think we're both beginning of the, well, Blood Came First was the one we, of the two, and then The Villain came after. And mm-hmm. basically, I think we, Blood in the Water was like the, one of the 20 songs that we played for the guy that produced these these songs and he's like oh blood and water's the one right more like that Mm -hmm. and then so we like had to you know we just basically woodshedded for a few weeks and then came up with the villain and and the more that are down the line that are coming sure so but yeah it was all this year awesome who's writing these songs are you doing that no we all write together in the unit. No shit. Sure. storage yeah. unit, yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't become, I mean, what, what kind of process is that like? Because, I, I mean, I know for myself as a musician, I write alone. Like, I can't write with any, anyone else. I would you know? doing that. Oh, yeah, dude. That, that seems like that's a lot of stress. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's all a rabbit hole. on you. <laughs> it's definitely a rabbit hole, you know, but I, I, I dig deep into kind of a visceral place. Uh, I get a little bit subjective, a lot subjective. Um, but I realize uh, that... Co-writing is a huge thing in this city. It's a huge thing elsewhere. And that kind of harmony is hard to achieve. So how do you guys go about doing that, at least for starters? I mean, all of, I mean, all of our songs are written in different ways. So, you know, sometimes it's somebody has a riff or somebody has an idea or like a melody or a, like, a, like a lyric, like a certain lyric. So all the songs just come together differently. Like the villain... So Blood in the Water, we had kind of like played out for a little while. We had been jamming the song idea in the unit. And the villain, I was actually gone for one practice doing something. And then they just sent me a voice memo. And it was the entire song, like the instrumental of it, pretty much just done. And then they were like, oh, <laughs> they just sent the instrumental to, to <laughs> our guy that was kind of helping us at the time. He's like, yep, this is going to be the one that you guys are going to record. <laughs> and then we wrote the vocal for it. And then, yeah, it was just good. And you're writing these lyrics? Yeah, uh, we've been doing some, like, it was kind of just me before, and now 
Greg and Matt, the keyboard player and the drummer, have been helping out a little bit too with that. And Matt used to play with Chris Ferraro, right? Matt, yeah, all of us played oh, with all different kinds of people. Yeah, because so. yeah. uh-huh. yeah, I remember seeing Matt play with him at Top well, Greg Golf. did. Greg, Greg played with Chris Ferraro. Greg did. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm trying to keep up with... Uh, yeah. And That's Tim's the, played with him too. Yeah. Sure. It's the side guy nature of, of Nashville. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's played for somebody. Or Everyone you know spreads I mean? like bre- blood in the water, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> this uh-huh. is true. This is true. <laughs> yeah. So what is that song about? That was uh, all you. That's all you. Yeah. Right? It's, uh, <laughs> that song was just about the, just like growing up playing music. Anybody that is a musician and is trying to make it, you already know, like as you're working your way up, people just kind of they just lead you on all the time. You know, it's kind of just like a fuck you to all the people that are promising you something. They're going to help you achieve this next thing. And it's just a bunch, everybody's just talking, you know, people just say things and don't take action. Yeah. So it's kind of just a fuck you to them. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Cause the, you know, people like that are a dime a dozen in this city for sure. Yeah. And, uh, I made a comment prior to by no means a condescending one, but about how rock and roll uh, at this place in time is taking on at very least uh, a different frequency. It's taking on a different face because, um, you know, it was such a force throughout the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and a good part of the 90s. And then um, something happened with the five-piece rock band. But the reason why I wanted to have you guys here today um, and the reason I continue to go to your shows is because I think that you guys bring something really cool to rock music, very fresh. There's something traditional about it. There's a power, there's an energy, but I've never heard anything like it, you know, which is a a hard thing to say about not just rock music, but almost any band. You know what I mean? Like you really do bring a fresh energy to rock music. You don't play into this butt rock thing. There's just this, there, there's this edge, there's this viciousness. True Villains, I think, is is the perfect encapsulation of your sound, uh, that, that name. So, uh, I mean, how do you, why did you come to Nashville to play rock music? Everybody has this idea that Nashville is strictly the country city. You know what I mean? Um, how did you factor your music into the scene? Because you guys have a massive fucking following. Every time I go to your shows, it's like, ah, you know, that's rad. a lot of fucking people. That's really cool to see. It's really cool to see, like you just said, in this town, especially, it's really cool to see people dig rock, you know, just in general, yeah. as opposed to the normal. Not, not there's anything wrong with that, but the normal singer songwriter stuff, which is all over and they're great. There's plenty of fantastic songwriters and stuff in town, mm-hmm. but it's really cool to see people dig rock music. But I think honestly, most of us, I can't, I can't speak for Bo, but I can certainly tell you that like Tim and Matt who knew each other and they're the guitarist and, and the drummer, they knew each other in LA mm-hmm. uh, when they both lived there. And then when Tim moved here, he was here for a few years, did the country thing, the side guy thing, like we're talking about. Uh, and then Matt came a few years after Tim moved and they basically just like reconnected and they were like, man, like it'd be really cool to like do a rock band. He's like, you know, they both had the opinion that there was a, a good pool of musicians here that would probably be really into it. Mm-hmm. And were you know, basically like not wanting to play country as much, you know, cause it's, again, it still pays our bills. So, yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, for them, I and and for myself personally, I never really had an expectation to like move here and be like, oh, I want to take over Nashville with rock. Yeah. It was just uh kind of like an organic thing that came up after I met like Tim and Matt and then obviously we met Bo via mm. Craigslist, which is a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I met my ex-wife yep. actually. <laughs> there, you, there you go. So uh, yeah. I think it was a relatively organic. I don't think anybody moved here necessarily with like 
I have to make the coolest rock band in the world yeah. and I have to go to Nashville to do it. I think it was <laughs> rel relatively organic. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, that's a testimony to your sound. It's a testimony to the process itself. You know, you're not straining to be anything that you're not, which you see a lot of in music in general, but because, you know, everything or a lot has been done in rock music and it's hard to um, branch out and, 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 you know, make new tangents. Um, the fact that you guys really don't have to try to do that, that it's kind of embedded in your sound. Um, I've never fucking heard a voice like yours, Bo. I, I really have not, you know, effortlessly, you just have this, you know, this roar that is unreal and you have so much control over it. And, um, it's, just, it's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. You know, like when did you find out you could sing like that? Uh, I'm right now. <laughs> oh, this is all news to you. You just, yeah, you just affirmed I just figured it. it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I just keep, I'm always like moving up as a singer, like trying to learn new techniques or new things to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, started out playing in a lot of cover bands, doing a lot of like, it, I started out as a guitar player and then be, became pushed into being the singer and we would do a lot of like easier hair metal stuff like rat and yeah uh like the lower register judas priest song and then one day when i was actually vacuuming my mom was having me do chores and for some reason i was like listening to acdc mm -hmm. and i was just trying to like sing along with it and i accidentally like learned how to use my head voice and so I told my bandmates at the time, like, you need to go home right now and go learn Paradise City and come to practice next time and we'll try to play through it. And then they, they you know, we got together and we like started playing it. My voice just kept cracking over and over again. And I was yeah, like, yeah. no, just keep uh -huh. doing it. Like, I'm going to figure this out. And then eventually, you know, and then just kept playing with all different types of bands. And so far, like what I'm doing right now, True Villains is definitely like the sound that fits for me the most yeah. i guess because i was in all those different cover cover band cover bands and then like a jam band and have had other original stuff but this is definitely like the most you know i don't know the thing that fits me i guess sure I sure yeah well I, I definitely agree with that um really quick guys because i'm are you guys hearing your mic uh, yeah. pop a little bit a little bit yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to turn yours down just a tiny bit. You're really popping on those peas, bro. Yeah. I'm going to make sure that that's not translating into the mix sure. itself. But um, at any rate, uh, we'll keep going here. We'll edit all that out right there. Sure. Um, so what's the future of rock and roll to oh. you guys? Oh, man. I think it's pretty bright. I mean, I think it looks good. I think... You know, you were talking about like the 60s and 70s. So that was such like a pinnacle of rock, the idea of a band, mm -hmm. Zeppelin and the Stones and stuff like that. Um, I think every now and again, it's just a cycle of things, which is what has occurred. You know, we went through the classic rock phase and it went into like the hair metal, like we're talking about. Then there was grunge. Then it became more about like polished, produced, Nickelback-esque. Yeah. So I feel like, but there's bands underneath all that have like kept a really good... I know, they're just kind of like treading water, but they've done a really good job of like keeping the rock that we're talking about, mm -hmm. that that throwback rock alive. Like we we love Rival Sons, which is oh, a yeah. sick rock band. I've seen them. Yeah. And it's more like blues rock, but it's I mean, again, it's it's the essence of like a rock band. Yeah. That they've they've done a really good job of keeping that around. Mm -hmm. But I think it's coming back. I mean, I think people really rock fans, I think, are very loyal. Yeah. So I think in the grand scheme of things, as long as there's good rock music, I think 
naturally you'll have fans of rock that'll mm-hmm. want to, you know, they'll be into it. I mean, there's bands right now that have like slowly surfaced, like we were, t- who, um, Dinosaur Pileup or whatever, yeah. like st- bands like that, like that are slowly starting to come out that I think have gained a little more popularity, show a brighter future. Royal Blood, man. Royal Blood is yeah. sick. Two fucking oh. words right there, Royal Blood. So good. Yeah. And that's yeah. two dudes. It's so good. I've never, dude, I have never seen, because you had the White Stripes, you know, you got the Black Keys. Um, I have never seen so much power come out of exactly. two fucking instruments. I saw them open for the Foo Fighters a few, uh, while back, yeah. and I was just like, I mean... Back in my seat, I was like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? This is the new British invasion. For sure. You know, when I think about the future of rock and roll and and, and and those life fests that have kept it up, it's it's a band like Royal Blood. You know, um, actually, the first time I met you, Bo, you were wearing a Royal Blood shirt. Oh, probably. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You saw him a while back, didn't you? Yeah, I think I got that shirt at the concert. Yeah. It was at Marathon Marathon? Music. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they're a wicked group. And um, uh, I don't know. Um, I think that that's a very sober and optimistic look. At well, we got to be rock. a little optimistic because it's what we're trying to do. So I, I, I think we're trying to, you know, again, we like try to have that mold of like traditional rock roots, but obviously, you know, we're not trying to like be like Led Zeppelin or anything like mm-hmm. that. But I, I think organically it just comes out that a lot of us, that's what we like grew up on. So yeah. it's kind of like ingrained in us. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, we're not trying to fit a formula or anything. We're just doing what, what we think sounds good sure, <laughs> or sure. what someone else tells us sounds good, I guess. <laughs> There's like a lot of other different genre artists too right now that are like leaning or yeah. going towards the rock type thing. Even if it's just, you know, kind of still their thing, but a little more rocked up, you know, even like Post Malone putting out that stuff they did with yeah. Ozzy. That Supposedly Miley Cyrus is going to put out a rock, rock thing. There's, yeah. I keep seeing videos on Facebook too or YouTube and it's of these other pop like icon artists, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to do this rock thing or they're covering rock music. I don't think, I'd be honest, man, I think there's a lot of people, especially like in town, like here now, like seeing and meeting, you know, country artists and and playing for them and everything. I think there is like a real kind of underlying respect that people just have for rock bands that do Mm -hmm. it and, and just rock in general. And a lot of people know that it's kind of a large feat to undertake and an attempt to be successful doing rock. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is like a really kind of like undercurrent of respect just in general for bands that can really do it and, you know, aren't gimmicky and they have solid, unique sound. I think that's what's kept rock rolling, you know, in the last whatever, 20, 30 years. Well, I think that the hundred plus people who I normally see show up at your shows would probably agree, including and especially myself. <laughs> Appreciate so, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there any groups out there right now that you just cannot fucking stand who you think are, are I mean, oh, oh no. you know, that, 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 that <laughs> oh, do dear. not, that, that, that are almost in a lot of ways a travesty to what you guys are trying to do. Cause I can uh, think of a few. I don't know if I, I, at the end of the day, the bottom line is, and like I could sit here and name many a bands, but if so, just because I don't know if they found a way to make you know money and be successful, and if their fans are into it, and their fans are into it, I mean, all I could hope for is that we could open for them and then just take their fans. That that would be the I don't know the easiest way to say that. You know who I would love to see that happen with? <laughs> who I would love to see you rob them of every fucking fan they have and bury them. 
Greta Van Fleet. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. But, yeah, I mean, I I hear you. I can't I, fucking stand them. But I mean, props to who them or whoever is like their manager, whoever discovered them, because yeah. they obviously were like, hey, we can make this work, and this will be a hit. And and they weren't wrong. I mean, they basically. I mean, they basically found a generation of people that want to listen to them out of probably the nostalgia effect because yeah, it's yeah, very of reminiscent of Led Zeppelin and, and stuff like that. And then they found a way younger generation that probably had never heard their parents' Led Zeppelin records. And sure. so they're like, what is this? I've never heard this before. You know, mm-hmm. kids, are, you know, kids basically, you know, teenagers or whatever. You know, we, I saw a live video of one of their shows and they were playing like a really big festival. It might have been like Coachella or something like that. And the whole crowd, of course, was in their younger twenties, it appeared. And they were all they all knew the words. Like they all knew the words to their songs. So I was like, props to them. I mean, I can't argue with that, you know. I can't either, actually. That's that's a very fair way to look at it. Um, very honest way to look yes. at it. I just <laughs> I have angst. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. I'm more about some of the or like against some of these like indie bands where it's more just like noise jamming noise and they're not even like proficient players or singers but somehow they have these huge like cult followings <laughs> it bl- blows my mind you're gonna give me it's a like name? they're like some garage party rock band uh like i can't remember there's one dude like mark mark demopko or some shit i don't know he sounds like an <laughs> there's italian there's like a couple it's uh even this couple of bands that I saw at like the live on the green thing where there was this one guy singing and I was like, how is this band famous? Or like, how are they making a career out of this? This is mind blowing. Yeah. I don't mind the jam band stuff. I mean like fish and, and all that stuff is great, but yeah, what he's talking about, it's, it's a lot of like, all right, but where's like the rhythm? Where's like the melody? I can't really track anything down. Where's the this. chorus? A lot of yeah, noise. Uh-huh. No I think hooks. a lot of that turns into a fashion statement a lot sure, of the time, sure. and you know, very superficial. Yes, kind of thing. that annoys me too. And and I try not to be too judgmental myself, but there are times when I'm just like, shut the fuck up, whoever. You know? Or just those bands getting put in the rock, like putting it in the rock bubble, but they're not rock music. Yeah. Like oh yeah, yeah. Put them in their own thing. Yeah. Like who? No, I just even even at like award places, you know, like oh, when yeah. bands like Highly Suspect are losing to Mumford and Sons or something, and yeah, I love Mumford and Sons, yeah. but I it's not too. a rock band. It's yeah. rock so has a why very are you placing broad. It there? Yeah, it's like rock has a broad umbrella now. There's yeah. so many like subgenres and subdivisions amongst it that mm-hmm. like what he's talking about. You get a band that sounds nothing like the other, but yet they're in the same category. Well, you know I think I mean? that might be a big reason, or, or, or kind of um, you know. It emulates what is going on in in the rock realm right now where, you know, people are kind of grasping for, um, they're, they're trying to diversify. They're trying to call it different things because it, via my observation, there, there seems to be a lack of, um, uh, of new bands who really pioneer this. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, which is kind of cool in the sense that it helps you guys stand out in that way where you can bust through and you can play a song like Blood in the Water and say, fuck you in a few different ways, not just, you know, all of you uh, phonies who are promising and not delivering, but also anybody who said we couldn't do it or had that predisposition that you can't do it. It's like we come through the new edge, you know, and and, and I think it's fucking sweet. I think yep. it really, really is. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could sit here and, you know, talk about that the whole time, but, um, <clears throat> you know, um, okay, best time for rock and roll. Like in history? Yeah. Oh, man. Jesus. That's such a, oh, man. 
I don't know. I mean, there's good rock from all times. It's hard, yeah. man. It's hard to pinpoint it. And I'm I wasn't not... alive for a lot of those times, so how can yeah. I really exactly. say it? Exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it's not like I've ever saw the original Led Zeppelin lineup to yeah. tell you how great it was. Sure, I'm sure. just all I can live through YouTube and, and whatever. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Mm, yeah. It, it would have been cool to see some of those bands that I love in their heyday, like to see with yeah, Guns yeah, N' Roses yeah. and Skid Row when they were, when they were on tour, Aerosmith out. when yeah. they were young. Uh-huh. Like, all those legendary rock stars when they were in their heyday. Yeah, it would yeah. probably be cool, cool to see like the stadium rock bands we're talking about play a 500-person room. Yes. That, yeah. that kind of stuff. Club shows. Not say yeah. like an era, but just to see these bands that are now icons mm-hmm. play the rooms we play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that probably would have been just the coolest time to see rock grow. Across all years or whatever. Yeah. That would be rad. Yeah. Time travel. (laughs) Well, one day maybe. Yeah, exactly. You know, let's never say never. Um, Honestly, like, I think that, I mean, personally, I I fucking love grunge, you know? And I've seen you guys, or at least I saw you cover Temple of Chris Cornell um, a while back at at an homage show for him. Um, Did you? Yeah. Oh, I think I was there. I think it was with Justin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did Blow Up the Outside World. That was really cool. Um, oh, yeah, you did it at the back corner? Was yes, that where it was? that is where right? it was, yep. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm a huge grunge fan, and I, I, I know you guys are. Bo, you've done some, uh, you know, when they do grunge night, you actually show up for that, and you, uh, um, you know, you, you, you cover a lot of these guys. Uh, I love grunge because I, I, I feel like, you know, you had the partying, you had the rock and roll, you had, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll that... Um, was the 60s, the 70s, and especially the 80s. And a lot of the 80s just sort of like, you know, got oversaturated. And then grunge came through and it was like... It's like, let's get serious. Let's get fucking serious. (laughs) Yeah, let's put on a flannel shirt for better or worse. You know what I mean? But let's really talk about... Let's talk about something. And I mean, those guys, they just, they got dark and they were brothers. They loved each other. They absolutely loved each other. And it was like, we are going to bleed for our music, even if it fucking kills us. And it did. <laughs> you know, I don't mean to glorify that, but I mean, like, all of those guys are, are fucking dead. You know what I mean? They just yeah. laid themselves on the line for for their music and for their art. Um, having said that, you know, I don't want to, um, uh, you know, belittle issues that people are dealing with, like addiction and that kind of thing, because obviously it's not all poetry. It's just, it's, it's a lot of pain that you can't trivialize. But... As a whole, I thought that the grunge movement was just purifying and it was poetic. And personally, I think it was, you know, the last really great strong rock movement we had. Um, I don't know. That's that, yeah, I feel that. I, I yeah. get behind that. I mean, that was a really authentic time of rock. Not that there isn't like authentic rock now. I, I mean, you may have to look harder for it. But in general, yeah, the grunge, the grunge scene was probably like the last little step of popular rock yeah like really like nirvana of course was massive i mean mm-hmm. just headlining like reddening reading and leads and stuff like that it's huge huge thing for rock to do yeah now that's not necessarily as common so yeah i could probably i can get behind that that was definitely an interesting time to go from what we're talking about like sex drugs and rock and roll mm-hmm. to yeah but what is what are the uh consequences of all that stuff yeah like, totally it was really, a catharsis it was fucking sweet yeah. and tell me that those those singers were not the greatest to come oh, yeah. out of rock and roll. Chris Cornell, you know Eddie Vedder, these guys were just unreal, spellbinding. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And I don't know. Um, that's just always something that is kind of lingered in my head when it comes to rock. We have music. a tinge of grunge. I think it just comes out 
some, at some points in some of our stuff, especially because of the way he sings a lot of stuff too. Definitely. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. got a little bit of an edge of that to it. Yeah. A little sprinkle of it. Mm-hmm. So what's coming next? Are you guys working on an album? Because you said that you were maybe you go, you were maybe going to get back in the studio. We're we're going to release two more songs, like he said, um, next year with another music video. And, uh, yeah, I might get back in the studio, just kind of see how things are going for, like, if there are any tours or if there are any festivals or real shows or even just us doing small original shows here in town because there's really yeah. not much of that either. We played mm-hmm. that one on that Sunday that you were at, um, and that was the only one that we've known about so far. Yeah, yeah, I think it's been a little bit of a uh, a task to attempt to like for these clubs to figure out a way to open. Yeah. And, and, you know, we were talking about this with somebody like at the beginning of summer and he made a valid point that although like stadium stuff, unless there's some magical miracle of like a vaccine that I guess would help alleviate a lot of the stress and stuff with this COVID stuff, uh, the stadium shows are probably going to be super postponed. Like if not the end of 2021, like the end of next year into like 2022, but the guy that we were talking to is like, well, the smaller clubs, like the 1,000, 1,500 cap rooms that are probably can more easily accommodate like temperature screening and stuff like that and can more easily handle separating people. That way you can still have shows. It's probably more of a feasible thing. So mm-hmm. our hope is that like club shows will probably be like the first thing to really come back to, you know, let us go on the road again and yeah. or even like he said in town just do stuff at like uh, exit in or whatever mm-hmm. that would be the hope but yeah. everything's kind of just in limbo we're it's just tragic. like hanging out <laughs> it's trying tragic. to see what happens yeah yeah well, one day at a time like we said yep um well in light of that big shows kind of thing you guys played with steel panther which was <laughs> really cool for those of the listeners out there who don't know who steel panther is explain that oh man because <laughs> that's a whole treat man they're like they're like their own thing man like yeah their music is we can explain what their music is but like just seeing them live alone is the experience because you get they have so much banter and comedic value in between what they're actually playing that that adds so much to like their character as a band but i don't know i don't even know how to describe yeah. what they do I, like, songs about cock and balls <laughs> and uh it's like a gimmick, but in a really, really cool, it's good so taste- way. Yeah. It's in like, a tasteful way. It's yes, brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. tastefully done. Uh-huh. Like, like they're actually really good musicians. Yeah. Like really talented. I don't know if I could sit. I don't know. I think they what? Probably have four or five records at this point. I don't know how I could sit and like think of the lyrics that Michael Starr does. I would lose. I don't. That's so beyond me to try to think of all this subject matter mm-hmm. and like make it rhyme and make it sound good and not like totally cheesy yeah they definitely have their own like special skill set to what they do that yeah again it's unpa- uh, there's no one else that does what they do it's it's that it's, is it's fucking is as successful yeah it's yeah. unreal what is it um my heart belongs to you but my dong is community property. Yeah, yeah. iconics iconic <laughs> they oh have some God. they have some super relatable songs as ridiculous as they are they're yeah. very relatable like if you break it down uh-huh. for sure yeah i think that's the idea is it like kind of disarms you and gets under the skin for, yeah you know what i mean um yeah, but without it's just, you really knowing i don't know it's just like 80s rock but of course 
very uh, sensitive material. Yeah. <laughs> you know, viewer, uh, adult content. A little vulgar. A little vulgar. Mm-hmm. little vulgar. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that's why they people, you know, share it because they're like, oh, my God. It's yeah, like, I think there's just the sheer wow. That. Yeah, it's like the wow factor. But then you're like, this is actually kind of good. How did you guys get hooked up with them? I was just a friend, right? Yeah, just a friend. They had one in-town show at Marathon, and we were like, oh, that'd be really cool to open. And then they were like, oh, they're actually doing a whole week of shows kind of in the southeastern states. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe we could get on all of them. And then he managed to get us on all those. So we right. went out for a little tour with them. And the first date was the show that was here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So it was a cool way to start the tour with a hometown show. And they sport your gear. I've seen videos of them wearing True Villain oh, yeah, shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Styx loves our our, our uh, True Villain shirts. Yeah, yeah. Probably... It's, he probably, probably needs a new one. Yeah, now. he probably needs a new one by this point. <laughs> yeah, well, um, the dingier the better for rock and roll, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Um, so you're from Minnesota, Bo. Yep. Yeah. Where are you from, Barry? Uh, Florida. You are? Born and raised there. And how old are you guys? I'm 28. You're 28. And I'm 26. Are you really? You're both younger than me. Yeah. I just turned oh. 29. Happy, yeah, happy late uh, birthday. Is yeah. it? <laughs> 29? <laughs> I'm not smiling about that. Dirty, no. dirty 30 yeah, is the uh, last like big landmark, probably. Yeah, uh-huh. Dirty 30. No, I mean, ideally there will be many more <laughs> after that. Thank you. I appreciate sure. that. I actually, this year has been good. I, Despite it being horrible, I feel like I have a lot to, to smile about and be grateful for. So um, reigning in 29 was was not a, a bitter process by any means. Um, so there is hope. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I promise you there's hope. So, uh, you graduated in 2010. Uh, mm-hmm. okay. So did I. And then you were what? 20, 2012. 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. what were you guys like in high school? <laughs> Nothing I, like I, I, I am. I asked Rachel this question too. I, I, I love it. <laughs> oh man. I would trust me. I don't like who I was in high school at all. I look at, I see pictures and I'm like, wow. Yeah. I'm not in any way the same. I was, I can put it to shame. I promise. I had this fucking hair when I was in, I mean, eighth grade. Yeah. I had this fucking, just, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I hadn't, I had no hair. I was completely, I shaved my head. Yeah. I had no beard. I was like super into like ROTC and no, it was just a bad time. Yeah. I mean, it was a great time and I thoroughly enjoyed high school. I didn't have a bad time in high school, but man, I was not the same kid Yeah, or not the same person I am now. When'd sure. you lose your virginity? I'm, I should, if my mother either hears this, oh, Jesus. <laughs> she's under the impression you're still a virgin. Uh, no, <laughs> no, definitely not. But, yeah. uh, I was probably like, I don't know, 16 or something. Really? Yeah. Oh dude, it was 18 for me. Yeah. 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 Oh God, oh, God this is going to be on the internet forever. <laughs> no, what were you like in high school? I, I That's was, what I want to know. I was kinda, yeah. I was kind of weird. I definitely didn't know who I was either. I yeah. was, I mean, I was so obsessed with music anyway, and definitely the, Definitely the hair metal thing. I went I mean, through that I had, phase big I had time. such long hair. I would just wear, uh, when I look back to, I would just wear horrible clothes and I just look like an idiot. Dude, I wish so. I was like that even after high school though for a while. I was like, wow, looking back, I don't know. Yeah, I, I had a t- terrible sense of fashion. I was awful. I mean, I used to wear like, well, I'm wearing them right now, but like <laughs> cargo shorts <laughs> and polos and that was, oh, that was a bad time. Well, you work out the kinks, right? <sighs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but again, I wish we had visual media right now because I, I would so fucking show the world what I, okay, I mean, <laughs> high school is one animal. You know what I mean? Yes. But eighth grade for me, it was eighth grade. I had this fucking hair. 
dude, I don't know how it happened. It like grew on these little ringlets, you know, and, and they called me Cheeto head. I looked like a fucking Nimrod. You know what I mean? And there's a picture of me with this Slayer shirt and I'm like, ah, you know what I mean? Like I, I look really cool. Right I would definitely like I to see that. I will happily show you after this interview and anybody who wants to see that photo, um, <laughs> I have a non-disclosure agreement, um, at the ready and it only costs a thousand dollars. I promise it's worth it. Um, but you had something on your mind. Oh no, I was just going to say, I, I had a similar experience. Bo and Tim came to my apartment one time. This is quite a few years ago. And I had a calendar hanging on my wall. Bless my mother. I love my mother to pieces, but she made like a, she makes calendars every year, just important dates on it and stuff like that. She'll send it to me for Christmas. But this particular month, had a picture of me from like the seventh grade on as like the main picture of the calendar. And it's me holding a saxophone in like full cummerbund get up. And Bo was like, who is that? <laughs> I was like, oh, that, bro, that's me. That's me all acneed up with no hair and no beard. Little 13 year old Barry. And of course my, again, love my mother. She, know, she knows how much I love music. She like wrote a little tagline on it. Like, when words fail, music speaks. And it's just Aww. a picture of me, but it was just comical because Bo's like, who is that? Who's that <laughs> random kid in your calendar? I probably, I look just as bad and I played the trumpet. So yeah, exactly. we could have been band friends. There anyways. you go. Isn't that so fucking funny though? <laughs> it's like, the, it's true that Revenge of the Nerd thing actually comes back around. Right. You know, it really does. Like the weirder you are in your earlier years, something happens after the fact. It's kind of like those girls who got really hot after high school. Yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah. love the, uh, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, what was I thinking? You yeah. know, oh, what what was I? Th yeah, no, I'm. I was thinking, not getting laid until I'm 18. <laughs> you know, which to or the me hot felt girl, late. the hot girl in high school is now like married or divorced, three kids, still lives in the hometown, works at Walmart or something. And that was the hot girl in high school. Exactly. And now it's like totally reverted the other uh -huh. way. <laughs> I like, I like, I like the divorced part. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. There's <laughs> finally, you know. yeah. I like um, to think that I'm still doing this and I haven't peaked yet. Same. Like we all think do, that dude. <laughs> same. Cause I I'll look at last year and I'll be like, wow. Or even when we started this band. Oh my God. We, we have like this picture. That's like a picture of us now, like our promo photo. And then a picture of like our first gig first ever. show. Oh. We all, we were, like we were still finding ourselves like for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, you got it. I mean, you, you I, I feel like, I mean, girls have got to be just like falling on you guys. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, in, in ways that oh, every guy just dreams. Um, I mean, Bo, do you have a, you have a girlfriend, don't you? Mm-hmm. You do. What about you, Barry? I also have a girlfriend. You guys are no fun. Everybody so. other than Matt. <laughs> everybody, yeah, pretty much everybody but Matt has uh, serious relationships. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what's it? Are you, are you guys looking to, you know, get married, have kids in the, in, in the long run? Is, is that kind of part of the plan? Yeah. I'm just looking to rock. Yeah. Good answer. For now. I mean, definitely one day at a time. I yeah. Mean, obviously, eventually you're going to have to shit or get off the pot at some point in your relationship, I would assume. Uh, but yeah, we're just yeah, trucking along. Doing our thing. What happens, happens. It's still, I don't know. Still young in my mind. Sure. Not Until ready, you turn 29. Not ready for... <laughs> yeah, wait till you turn 29. Yeah, when I turn 29. Yeah. <laughs> next, all next year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there's too many things that I still want to do, especially sure. with like music and touring and all, all things that I need to do for myself personally first mm -hmm. before going to, you know, there's a real place. There's a real testament to be made for... Well, it's very hard to find, but women in general that would be down with what we do. Yeah, it takes a Even strong person. It takes a very strong know, woman to yeah. you know be, be be willing to 
be patient with that and get it. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough thing yeah. to find. So uh-huh. and obviously they're around, but again, yeah, yeah it's definitely a, a certain type of female, or mm. or I guess if you're a female and you're a rocker, it's a certain kind of husband as well that totally. has to be down with that and understand it. So, yeah, it's yeah. a musician dynamic for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you guys, how old were you when you started playing music? Mm, I know we're kind of bouncing around here. You were really you young. Yeah, do you mean by playing shows or do you mean... When was the first like, time you picked up a guitar you're like, I want to fucking do this? Or uh, a I trumpet mean, or whatever it was. Wasn't even... A, it was a... It was, you started piano, on piano, yeah, right? Yeah, But the first... Mm, <laughs> probably when I... Probably when I started playing the guitar, though, is when I, like, really, really got into it because I would come home every day from school and be, like, playing, learning songs, I would go to my guitar lesson. And as soon as I would get home from my guitar lesson, I would just play guitar until it went to bed. Yeah. And that was probably when I was in like sixth, seventh grade or mm-hmm. something like that. Were you doing sports at all? Yeah, but I was always the kind of person that kind of bounced. I just bounced around. I would do one sport one year and then I'd be like, I'm going to try this the next year. And yeah. then I would do that sport. And then the next year I'd be like, I'm going to do this sport. Yeah. So I was never like taking it super seriously. And then once I got into the music, that was like, that kind of pretty much took over. Well, I think it's so cool with music and young people. Cause I was, I, I was fifth, sixth grade when I picked up a guitar for the first time. And it was like, um, you know, I was not, ab- I mean, Christ, you ask me now what's going on in the professional or college sports world, whatever. The next seven year old girl you talk to is going to know more about it than <laughs> I do. You know, I just yeah. like, I don't speak that language and I, not to sound self-righteous about it, but I, I'm, I'm very happy that I, I chose music and the arts instead. It was funny because, you know, I think back and it's like, you know, we were in seventh, eighth grade, um, having band practice willingly and organizing that on our own and practicing our, our instruments independently. And like the self-sufficiency that is rooted in that is so fucking cool. You know, it's an invaluable lesson that you learn very young and that you you hold yourself to that threshold. Um, and I, I, I just, I'm really happy I did that. Um, I'm happy you guys did that obviously, because now you're here in the city and you're playing awesome music and you're on my podcast. Uh, but it definitely takes a certain kind of personality to, um, uh, to do that, to be a tangent. Uh, what about you? How old were you? Uh, I mean, I, I like Bo said, I kind of like bounce around on instruments at a young age. I knew I liked music, but just didn't know which way or what facet or tool I wanted to to use to like play music. So I bounced around and then had a really fantastic music teacher when I was in uh, fifth and sixth grade and she got me really into upright bass. So I was 10 or 11 at that time. So I started playing upright bass and then went into seventh and eighth grade and then I was like, told my parents, I said, I really want an electric bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they got, they like rented one. On a, from like the local music store or something. And then I like really took to it. Cause yeah. then, I, then like what Bo said, I'd like took lessons for like three or four months uh, for bass guitar, electric bass, whatever. Yeah. And I'd come home and just sit in front of our uh, uh, living room stereo system back when people had stereos. And I would just like try to learn whatever song came on the radio. Mm-hmm. And I would just sit, I would sit there for hours <clears> and my, I'm sure my parents hated me cause I'd crank my amp as loud as it could go. <laughs> Who's the best uh, bass player ever? Yeah. Oh, oh Come golly. On. Come on. Oh, man. Barry doesn't like bass players. He likes guitar <laughs> players. <laughs> no, that's, not, that's not true. Oh, man, that's that's so tough. I mean, oh, oh man. This is a really loaded question. Um, I don't know. Jamerson is fantastic. I mean, you're talking about guys that, like, could be considered, like, the founding fathers of sure. what eventually came. I mean, of course... 
um, John Paul Jones. I yeah. mean, like, the, how about John Entwistle? John Entwistle. Oh, oh man. Oh, man. Uh, again, these are like powerhouse yeah. bass players that, again, have like set the standard, you know, and set the foundation for everybody to like listen and basically follow in their footsteps. Yeah. I mean, like new guys. I mean, again, there's there's plenty of dudes that I I like. Uh, there's I have a very interesting musical taste, so my tastes are all over the place. Uh, but there was a bass player that was in this metal band that's no longer around anymore called Mudvayne. And oh, of course. Bass, the, but the bass player. I saw name, Mudvayne a long time ago. Oh, dude, Ryan Martini. Probably the reason I play bass is mostly that guy. Yeah. I, for whatever reason, was really into like heavy metal and especially them. Mm -hmm. And I would just listen to their records nonstop, yeah. purely to listen to him play bass. It was. I've never heard a bass player in a metal band play like that. It was mm -hmm. so unbelievable. So, yeah, I mean, again, like we're talking about all these icons, like, I mean, Jocko, and I mean, all these guys are, again, set the standard for everybody else to follow and, and build off of. But yeah, yeah so that's, a, uh, I could sit here and, for days and talk about bass players. Well, I'm a huge metalhead too. Slayer's my all-time favorite band. Sick. It, it, do, it doesn't go away. Yeah. And those, those artists are unsuspectingly supreme um, at everything they do. Sure. You know, on some of the best musicians in the entire world are playing in these death metal bands. Yeah. <laughs> and not a whole lot of people know that. But sure. like you guys said, rock has a very dedicated, dedicated uh, fan base. For sure. And that extends to most areas of rock. Bo, greatest vocalist of all time, in your opinion? Oh. Uh, yeah, Steven Tyler. Oh, sick. sick. Okay. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people would say that. Sure, but, yeah. sure, but honestly, no. I, I, I haven't really heard people say Steven Tyler. That's that that that's very true. That's you know a very great answer. Yeah. He lives in the city. You know, he's fucking seventy three years old. Yeah, yeah. Man, he still sings like a god. I know, <laughs> I know. It's unbelievable. Yeah, just nonstop. I could, that's I could agree with that. What about Chris Cornell? Awesome too. Yeah, he he just has a lot of live videos. You know, where he's like struggling. So that's I, my the part for me that like. Turns me off. To, I mean, his voice is a different kind of voice, obviously. Uh, and he did all those bands where it's all stuff that's so hard to sing, and yeah, he's just he did, going like, balls three to the bands. wall. Yeah. So it's like no wonder that his voice is just <laughs> shot uh -huh. when you're just screaming for yeah. three hours. Well, Temple of the Dog is my favorite thing he ever did. Um, but I will be honest with you. As much as I fucking love Chris Cornell, and I love Chris Cornell, I was broken when he died. It's a funny thing. That's something no one really ever wants to point out is that in a lot of his live videos, it's, it doesn't really translate quite as much. Um, he does strain. And I yeah. saw him live. I, I got the, the opportunity to see him live. And that's why I have, and, you know, historically speaking, been somewhat hard-pressed to say, yeah, Chris Cornell's the greatest singer of all time um, because there wasn't a ton of consistency from start to finish with him. Um, whereas a guy like Steven Tyler, yeah. It's Nothing like, can stop that motherfucker. Yeah, he. I mean, he has some s songs too where he gets like more of a break. I mean, when that first uh, that what is that Audio Slave record with the little fire yeah. on it or whatever? Yeah. Oh, that had Cochise on it. Yes, uh -huh. all. I mean, every single song on there is just non -stop. like a vocal shredder. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, if you went out on tour and did that, and then you need to go back Toast. in the studio and do something else, like, oh my god, you just need to take time off. Where you know, Steven Tyler's thing is. Uh, he can play around with the melodies a little bit more. There is some stuff that's like lower and more chill, so you have time to like save your still, voice. But it's like still creative and yeah. like still cool yeah. and unique. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and that can be said about anybody. You can be a shredder on guitar, but can you like really have a tasteful lick or something like yes. that? Yes. 
I could you could apply that to anything. You know what I mean? That's something you learn a little bit later on. Because like at first, when you're young and you're like, for look sure, at them go, look at them go. Yeah. You know what I you're mean? You're so impressed. You are, and yeah. then you start to pick it up. You you parcel it a little bit more when you get older, and you break apart the constituency. And um, that's why I didn't really have an appreciation for John Frusciante as much until later on because he's more of a jazzy, smooth guitar player. Sure. Um, and he wasn't shredding like Kerry King, yeah. but by no means does that trivialize how amazing he is. Yeah. You know, because that's the kind of guitar playing I gravitate toward now. I fucking love it. For sure. Yeah. 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 It's all about whatever fits the song. I mean, that's the bottom line. We have the same opinion in our band. Whatever fits is what, that's, that's the deal. Mm -hmm. Whatever works. I feel like I'm still learning that sometimes because I yeah. just get excited and I just want to <laughs> scream even during our live shows or like, yeah, or when we're doing our Broadway thing. Or oh, if I have a little well, too many, Broadway, if I have yeah. too many tequila shots. <laughs> if we're playing on Broadway, like, we're just like constantly looking at each other like, hey, watch this. And then you just, yeah. whatever, you know what I mean? Do you guys constantly. party a lot? You drink, drink a lot, uh, smoke pot, anything? Uh, I like to drink tequila and eat edibles. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I don't do it like, you know, I'm not somebody that's going to do this all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely drink more than I ever did, even when I was in party bands. Yeah. Just yeah, because yeah. Broadway is a thing. You it's know? a vicious oh, cycle. It's in, to get the people into it. It's like you are there partying and entertaining with them. It's kind of part of they, the You know, thing. they want you to drink with them. Yeah. They want you to be like, it's a solidarity ah. thing without yeah, a doubt. For sure. Yeah. Any of the good stuff, though? Any like Coke acid? None of that. No. no, really? no, no. <laughs> We're not allowed to say anything. Right? <laughs> Why would. <laughs> Never heard of it. No. Just. Eat edibles. I don't know. I, all that other shit is like, I don't know. Weed is just, it's good. It's not going to harm you as much. And mm -hmm. you can, I mean, I've ate an edible, watched Pokemon and cried. And it was great. <laughs> so, That's a Thursday night for me, bro. What more could you want? <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't disagree. I, I'm not into the, like the hard stuff. Yeah. I, I had my little partying phase. Bo remembers. Bo, I did too. Bo will tell you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. You, you kind of like do your thing for a bit and you realize, ah, all right, maybe I should like tone it back some. Otherwise, or you fucking die. Or it's, you that. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. too, it's exhausting. No, it's People really, do that, yeah, yeah. Like, Especially as you get older. If obviously. you have other responsibities to you, you just can't do that all the time or you wouldn't get anything accomplished. Dude, I, we would, this is even before True Villains, I would like, we would play, I would play a closing shift downtown on Broadway till like 2.30. Yeah. I'd get quite inebriated and then have to Uber home, but then I'd have to go to work the next morning. Jesus Christ, at, I can't. At like 6.30. So I'm getting like an hour of sleep, <laughs> probably still a little drunk. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. get play again the next day <laughs> and then too. still and have then to play it. the next day too. I never had that stamina, man. I never <laughs> after, did. Yeah, well, after a while, I was like, ah, this is getting a little ridiculous. I yeah. should probably uh, adjust accordingly. Well, right there is the divide where I, you know, I've noticed, cause I mean, I, 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 I was badly addicted, you know? Um, and it was like, what's, I, I knew it was more important to me and it, it, it was the drugs came first, no matter what. So waking up to go to work after partying all night, fuck that. Yeah, no yeah. way that didn't happen. You know, um, saving money for real things. Fuck that. That didn't happen. You know what I mean? And so I guess that's where, you know, the fork in the road comes in is, is it's like, Am I a normal human being who's going to prioritize my life over the other stuff, or am I the other kind of person? And uh, that's a that's a valuable lesson to learn for sure. 
Hey, yeah. I, th- I think money money can be kind of a drug a little oh, bit. Money can definitely be a, addicting. If anything, sure. I have a hard time saying no to that. Like, no yeah. matter how tired I am or how <laughs> I know it's not good for my body, yeah. it's like, I'm still going to pick up Same. that gig. Yeah. I'm still going to go to work because I just want that money. Well, you remember that in the Wolf of Wall Street when he's like, my favorite drug is right here and it's yeah, the $100 yeah. bill. Yep. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I agree with Bo. I have a hard time turning down Yeah, money. honestly, I'd rather <laughs> I'd just rather have money. I, yeah. dude, I, I look at like working like an actual job like manual labor is one thing, but like, like he's talking about like picking up gigs. Like to me, that's almost like free money. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, yeah, I'm working sort of mm-hmm. working. I mean, it's not real work obviously uh-huh. because I'm doing what I want to do. So yeah, picking up gigs and doing gigs on Broadway, that's, that's like just free money. Somebody's handing me money to do what I'd probably be doing at home. Anyway. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, mean, how often do you hear people bitch about having to play a show. You know what I mean? Where they get done. Cause I, I, you know, I play downtown myself and at the end of it all, they're just like, oh, no, fuck these people, you know, counting the money and everything like that. And I'm like, dude, you just, you know, you just took shots and sang journey Basically. for a few hours. Yeah. Poor you, you know what I mean? And you're walking away with just under $500. Like what, what's the fucking problem? Like what, what is so stressful about this? You know, yeah. but the fact that we get to do that is such a gift. And if you can sit there and you can really appreciate it, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. It, it, you, it's different when you get, when you've been here for a while and you're doing it too. Cause like even during COVID making this money right now and doing what we're doing, it's like, when I was back in Minnesota, that would never happen. You'd be you'd be thankful if you were making a hundred dollars <laughs> and you had to set up your PA, play for four hours, and tear it down. Yeah, and yeah. you'd be like, "Oh my god, a hundred dollars! Yes, this is a great oh, Saturday night gig." Yeah. Dude, when I tell people like back home, or like when I see people from when I was younger and stuff, and I tell them what I do, and I'm like, "Yeah, I play like you know, I play, I play like four gigs a week or something." They're like. Wait, what? We used to play like one gig a week. And I was like, I know, man, it's, it's a brave new world when you like get out of your, you know, 15,000 person hometown. Yeah. But like he's saying, you didn't know the difference back then as opposed to here. And then like, honestly, before COVID, I kind of feel like I somewhat took gigs for granted. And then COVID yeah. came and took them all away. And I was like, oh man, we really had it good. <laughs> like it yeah, was, it, good. <laughs> it was a really good time. But, yeah. But yeah. yeah, like you said, it's, it's, we're very fortunate to just do what we do. And someone pay us for it. Yeah. Well, God willing, things will come back around yes, soon. for sure. Um, no, I want to ask, what's the craziest thing has, that has happened at a show of yours? Or, oh, I mean, look at that. Look at that. Oh, bro. <laughs> you you, you can't him. see his reaction. Dude, it you got to tell him about Cincinnati <laughs> at the front of the oh. stage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like cool. All right? this yeah. shit happens in the Midwest. Don't you love it's it? It's not yeah. the craziest thing, but it definitely is the most rock and roll thing. Unless you have a crazier thing you want to talk about. No, I was just trying to, I don't know. I was thinking about some of the stuff on the Steel Panther tour with Greg. And oh, like true. these older women oh, trying to like molest yeah. Greg. Oh, man. Well, that was good. Yeah, that was or, interesting. Yeah. And there's that one picture of like this woman who's just like, oh, not, I'm not even thinking that one. I was this woman that's like right in Greg's face, right next to him, like trying to oh, you mean the drunkenly power? seduce him. And there's a picture of it. And oh, the Matt's Power in, Ranger? Matt's in the back corner, like, looking another direction, pretending like you can't see what's going on. Yeah, there, there were some awkward... They were just weird encounters, like, very bizarre individuals you meet on the road. In general, not just opening for Steel Panther. In general. Yeah. I could tell you some ridiculous stories. I don't know about crazy, though. Yeah. Ridiculous works. One time, Matt was so drunk that he tried to check into a gas station because he thought we were at the hotel. <laughs> he carried his, his suitcase in there. Or I we think like- he, well, yeah, we just pulled up to the gas pump and he's, I mean, he's hammered and he just, he like wakes up 
just bolts up from a drunken stupor, goes to the back, gets out his rolly suitcase, and just rolls it into the gas station. I can't. You can't make that up. Yeah, we were trying to tell him, like, dude, what are you dude, doing what are you right doing? now? He's like, I'm just going to check in. <laughs> he was hammered. And you didn't videotape any of this? No. no. I, I think I took a picture of him, like, standing in the gas station with a suitcase. Or maybe I did. I don't remember. It's probably best to have some things, just not even... Aware. There's no no <laughs> evidence. Ev- yeah, no evidence. I've documented some shit that I really <laughs> wish I had. And re- I, I remember in college, um, my mom is going to cringe when she hears this because she remembers. Right. But um, I had been up for like 24 hours. <laughs> I went to Michigan State and, you know, it was it was St. Patrick's Day. I've been up for like 24 hours and royally fucked up. You know, St. Patrick's Day used to be like my Christmas. And I was trying to brand myself with little things. And, you know, then I started to try to brand myself with a spatula. And my friends were like, stop, stop, stop. And and then uh, eventually they were like, dude, if you're going to do this, just let us. And so I have the video. I have the video. It's not even as, it's, but bear in mind, it's not as disturbing as that fucking picture of me from eighth grade. Um, <laughs> I, I have the video of them heating it up and fucking, I mean, not even just tapping me, but holding it to my shoulder, yeah. just searing. And I still have the scar. I covered it with a tattoo, but <laughs> it, it turned into MRSA. I got a really great Vicodin prescription out of it. Oh my God. That, that exists. The documentation of that oh, does man. exist. Yes. But um, I never tried to check into a fucking gas station. There's some photos somewhere that I, I, we, some of us have of me absolutely trash. There's Rolled a few, up like a little burrito. There's a few of those that around. Uh, Midtown Barry. Midtown Benny. Yeah, oh, Midtown Benny. Yeah. There, we also watched, yeah, when Barry's talking about Cincinnati, we watched these people like, you know, we're like playing on stage and watching them pre-negotiate a threesome. These people just... Two girls and a guy. Yeah. Uh, and Craig was with us and he like videotaped us playing uh, Blood in the Water while these two chicks are just like making out in like, front of right, just right like in right in front of the stage, yeah, like just right from me to you, stage. they're just making out while we Aww. play our and this, songs. This other guy's just stand; he's just standing there, like waiting to you know, <laughs> so they can all go home together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two divorced, two, two, two girls who got had who got hot after high school and are now, and are now divorced. Yeah, actually, one of the girls was. She, she was there. No, she was there. She just she had when she had drunkenly come to the stage or something. She's like, I just got divorced. Yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah, make yeah, out yeah, with yeah. this girl. Yeah. I was like, okay. And then they just started making out. And hell yeah, the other girl was <laughs> with that other dude. So I think yeah, you know, that's beautiful. Just all worked out. You guys, you, you're not gonna. I know you're not gonna answer this fucking question, but you you've had a threesome. Yeah, I'm not gonna answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> is, the I, cam- is there a camera? <laughs> just in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Let me override both of those answers and say I have not. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a tragic, my the whole travesty of my my love life. Um, but I had to slip that in there. Um, God bless if my mother ever listens to this. <laughs> oh, the phone calls I'm going to get. I should have had you sign a waiver. <laughs> I'm not sorry, but you know. Uh, all right, guys. So we have talked for a while now and we've had a lot of fucking fun. I have at least. Thank you so much for coming out. Um, if you guys haven't heard yet, we have Blood in the Water and The Villain. They also did a write-up on these guys. And was it American Songwriter? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm, it is in my humble opinion that this is probably the greatest rock and roll band in Nashville right now. One of the best in the country. Um, and I think that they represent a beacon for the future of the rock and roll that we all grew up on and loved. And if you haven't listened to anything by True Villains... Check them out. I have Bo and I have Barry here. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this was great, man. Absolutely. Appreciate you. Yeah. Rock and roll forever. Rock and roll forever. Oh, yeah. But no threesomes. No, yeah, none of those. Yeah. Later. <laughs>
Bye, guys. Now